This week on episode 20 of the Dying Alive podcast, Pat embarrasses himself in the worst possible fashion in the Win It Wednesday challenge. The Penguins go two and two since we last record, and they get a bunch of brand new players. All right, as he said, it's episode 20 of the show. Can't believe we've done 20 of these. Reverse billing this week. I like the first. Well, first of all, I'm Jesse Marshall of the Athletic Pittsburgh, joined by Mike Darney of Pennsburg. Say hello, Michael. Hello, Michael. You sound better. I feel better. That's good. And we got Pat Damp of uh, the Penns Blog. Patrick. Hey, Jesse, Mike. So um, before we get going today, I want to play a little game with both you guys, and it's not the Win It Wednesday challenge, so I can't lose this one. Um, we're gonna play a little game called Who Tweeted This. So I'm going to read three quick tweets, and I want to see if you guys can guess who tweeted them. Do we get more than one guess? Mm, let's say two apiece. Okay. First tweet. We are in communication with aliens with a very flexible body composition called the A. God damn it. How you knew it already? Yep. <laughs> I know, oh, it too. Dude. He beat me to the answer. Dude, his timeline. Someone brought it to my attention this morning. His timeline is a gold mine. It is one of the funniest things I've read in so long, especially the the promos for golf. Yeah. When you're in Vegas, play around a golf with me and let's talk aliens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, it's the funniest. I was hoping you guys hadn't seen it, but I'm even happier that you have. Yep. You got more? Oh, yeah. Um, his bio, his bio is great. It's, oh, his bio is just, for appearances, please call Morgan, and it's the phone number. No, no, I mean, are we guessing more tweets, or is that the only one? Oh, I mean, I was going to do that little thread he did about being in contact with aliens and time travel. Oh, no, you get... This could you be a, just, good, this could be a just, good new new segment, though. You just found out about this this morning? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know why I'd have a reason to follow Jose Canseco. <laughs> And he, he probably found out this morning because he was still upset about the challenge for four days. What happened? 40 seconds a dog. I said I followed. I didn't see the video. Let me tell you what happened from my perspective. I didn't see the video. I just pull up my phone. OK. And it's very clear from the content of my timeline that you lost. <laughs> OK. I saw, and I saw Peach celebrating with the belt. So I knew he had won, which I was impressed because earlier in the day I had learned that no employee had ever successfully done it. And that's when I was like, oh, they're both screwed. But I, Pete pulls it out. Uh, he watched, he has what, a YouTube tutorial. And so I say, what's well, Pat's time per dog? And Mike's the one that tells me. One minute and 20 seconds. <laughs> which was the length of the contest. So not only did you hit, not hit 40 seconds per dog, you didn't finish a dog. <laughs> no, I finished one. You finished, so you finished one dog. Okay. Okay, first off, I will say that, um, well, two, two things on that. One, they are not like Sheets hot dogs. You are not going to just down that real quick. They are pretty, pretty good hot dogs. That was the other part is that they're, like I said to Peep when we were sitting there having a beer after, I was like, you know what the downside to this challenge is? These are really good hot dogs. You're yeah. you're giving me uh, explanations, and all I hear are excuses. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's exactly uh, what they are. Yeah. 
Poor preparation. We were both correct. Yep. I and I was so I was so I went down to Rivers down a sports book. I slapped down a hundo on it. Said, that's, your, me, that's your own dumb fault. No, that's what I said. I, I said, give me damp to fail for a hundo. <laughs> what was that going off at? Had to be oh, like man. had to be like one to one. Yeah, it was not good. Yeah, no, so you probably got like what thirty bucks back. Yeah, but I hey, I made it. I made money. <laughs> anyway, um, penguins, huh? Probably ought to talk about them at some point or another. Uh, what do we want to still start? We got to start with the trades. We have to start with the trades. Yeah. Shortly after we record the last show, uh, Jim Rutherford trades Jamie Alexiak back to the Dallas Stars for the exact same pick that he gave up for him in the first place. So now Jim Nil has a more expensive version of what is pretty much the same player. Yeah. Yeah. My question on that was. If you're looking at it from Penguin's perspective, I can see the rationale as in we we got this guy, things seem to be improving, but we don't see him as part of a long-term plan, so we'll see if we can move him somewhere. From the Dallas perspective, though, you're either selling it as we gave up a guy we shouldn't have given up, or we have no idea what we're doing. It took trading him for Dallas to change their perspective on whether or not they should just give him playing time, which is what the problem was to begin with. You could have just made that decision without moving him. Yeah. <laughs> you could have just decided to play him more on your own. Yeah, and, and both organizations come out wa- washing clean, basically, um, but it, it makes you wonder what the what the heck is going on in Dallas. Yeah, I mean, that was bizarre to me that it was essentially the same trade made for the same guys with the same pieces, which just negates the trade overall. Like that's one of the first, I think, only times I've ever seen that happen. Oh, I, I was just thinking, I, I've never seen that before. And, I mean, I just don't get what Dallas's need was on that. I mean, I'm not mad about it. It was a good salary dump, and it opened up the, the options for what they did this week. But uh, I, I just didn't get that from from Dallas's perspective, like you got the same player back, like you guys said, but just a more expensive version. Yeah. It's old Jim Nil special man knows how to manage his assets. Send that's how he develops his players. He sends them somewhere else to get good and then just brings them back. So you like, it's like sending kids to reform school. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, so you're saying it's uh, kind of like the pirates being the Yankees and Red Sox farm system. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Um, so there's been some discussion about whether it would have been better to keep Jamie Alexiak and then just simply send Yuso Ricola down. Uh, thoughts? I think, I think Ricola is better suited to play in the NHL than in the AHL. Yeah, I, I don't, I haven't, I mean, there's definitely been some, some weak parts of Ricola's game, but on the whole, like the mistakes he's making aren't any mistakes that, you know, a guy who's been in the NHL a handful of years wouldn't make. It's just some rookie growing pains for a guy that belongs in the NHL, at least from what I've seen. And I said it during uh, the game in Toronto last night. The one thing I like about Alexiak is, or not Alexiak, uh, Ricola is that he just bombs it. Like if he gets the puck at the point and he has a lane, he puts it on net. And that's, yeah. that's a good thing for, a 
not an offensive defenseman, but a two-way D-man that isn't really known for his offensive upside. He gets it to the net to help create chances. You know who else did that, Pat? Who? Jamie Alexia. Yeah, that's fair. But I'm I mean, playing devil's advocate. No, I mean, I think they need the right move. I mean, they needed the. I'm going to use the Pirates term. They needed the financial flexibility, um, you know, to be able to address needs elsewhere, which is exactly what they did. Um, yeah, and, and I also I was just going to say I think I don't think the Penguins would have had any intentions on moving Alexiak had um, Marcus Pedersen not worked out as well as it has so far. Yeah, yeah, that's another big one. Yeah, uh, Pedersen Pedersen being as good as he's been, mixed with Ricola being a pleasant surprise, I think put Jamie Alexiak as the most expendable piece on the blue line. Yeah, neither neither of those players were in the fold when they gave Alexiak the contract extension that they did. Yeah. So I guess that let's transition then to the uh, the next one. Uh, Derek Broussard is gone. Um, I don't even want to hit the music. I don't even want no, to. No, he doesn't yeah, deserve it. He doesn't, he doesn't, deserve, he, he doesn't deserve it. Has it's not one of the it. only times that we won't hit the music. In, uh, you know what was cool, though, is that I, I did see, uh, and I think Josh talked about this on The Athletic, that um, Mike Sullivan individually addressed Derek Broussard after the trade and told him, like, look, I just want to reinforce that I think you're a really good player. Yeah, but, and, you know, and, he, and, I, and, he, and he is. He is yeah, a good player. You just got to be able to walk away when it doesn't work, and nobody would have foreseen us being at this juncture. No, no I mean, expected. Yeah, they they traded for him almost a year ago, and how many memorable goals did he score as a Penguin? One, two. Yeah, the only one I, that sticks out to me was opening night this year against the Caps. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. Kind of thought like for a minute there that <coughs> the monkey like was nothing up. nothing really jumps out at you. And Riley Shayan, you know, I've I've always I, I guess I kind of overrated him maybe a little bit in the sense that. He was giving the Penguins average performance in an area where they weren't getting average performance anywhere else. So it was kind of like the best of a bunch of bad options, I guess, or maybe underwhelming options, I guess we'll say. So, you know, jettisoning him, I, I, you much rather have Jared McCann um, at, at a mill in a quarter restricted, only 22. Yeah. Obviously a much different kind of player, you know, trying to accomplish the same means to an end. Nowhere near as accomplished, I think, as Riley Shan. Um, but I think the intriguing part of this and the one that looks like it might, I don't know, agree, you know feel free to disagree here, but the one that looks like it might be the most beneficial is the Nick, uh, Nick Bustad trade. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, a couple things. One, I know that a lot of people on Twitter instantly got to the, oh, yeah, so now they got a big guy. Woohoo. His size doesn't really matter to me because for his size, he can move. Yeah, And for better or for worse, I kind of wrote this um, after the 2017 Stanley Cup when they traded for Reeves. It's a similar thing that they're just dealing with the realities of the NHL. Like you have to figure if they get into the playoffs and go on at least a small run, they're going to meet the Capitals in round two. Right. And Bukestad may not be a quote unquote tough guy. But they have to have an answer for a Tom Wilson, and they didn't, especially with moving out Alexiak. So now you have a big dude in Bugstad who can at least, you know, get in his face. It's not going to stop him from doing anything because the idea of a deterrent is bullshit. We've seen that time and time again. But now they have a guy who, you know, will at least mix it up with him and at least keep him 
I don't even want to say honest, but it's not a bad thing to have that just because that's the reality. And then the other thing on that is he's like he he's going to be a much better three C than Broussard was, especially because he's younger and he has more of an upside. Broussard's already in his thirties, so he's going to be on the decline. So he comes a little bit cheaper, younger, and he has some control. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a different spin on this. Um, for me, I, I think one positive thing that we can say about Jim Rutherford is that there's always an overarching theme to what he does. Or he's trying to achieve some, you know, league or team-wide archetype. You know, uh, speed, for example, was the mantra for so many years. Well, that's gone now. You know, the, the raw speed is gone. The, the, other, the rest of the league caught up. It's neutralized at best. And now the, the, every time Jim Rutherford's made a trade this year, <clears throat> reference Tanner Pearson, reference Nick Bugstad. It's it's with the theme of puck pressure, mm-hmm. not speed anymore. It's well, these are puck pressure guys. These are guys who can forecheck, and I think that both Mike Sullivan and his rhetoric, and Jim Rutherford's analysis of the roster, I think both of them say that they want a team that can just throw two guys up top and go straight at them. And when the Penguins are good, that's what they're doing. And if you want evidence, look back last week when they beat the Lightning 4-2 and they had the Lightning shook. Every time they dumped puck in, every time Tampa tried to make a, an exit pass, they were just swamped. Uh, Braden Point, turnover um, in that same circumstance. So for me, I think, I think both of these guys fit this new mantra of forecheck, 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 you know, take away the neutral zone. That, that seems to be where the arrow is pointing now. Yeah, and you saw it on both of Teddy Bluger's goals the last two games. He His goals were a direct result of them putting an immense amount of pressure on the opposition's defense, which led to Teddy Bluger getting to a soft spot, being open, and having way more time to shoot than anybody should from that area. Yeah, and uh, another thing I wanted to mention um, regarding Jim Rutherford <coughs> It's interesting to me how he has managed what some deem draft capital and how he has carried over assets. You, if we flash back to 2015, trading a first-round pick for David Perron and flipping David Perron for Carl Hagelin, <coughs> then eventually flipping Carl Hagelin for Tanner Pearson. And now you have a similar situation where you spent a first-round pick to get Ryan Reeves you traded Ian Cole with Reeves and a first-round pick to get Broussard, and now you flip Broussard for two players with term on their contract. So it's for me, it's a way for them to keep a window open without mortgaging more first-round picks or more heavy assets. Well, I think it's a philosophical change in that they're not swinging for the fences anymore. <clears throat> yeah, and if trying, we, yeah, if we flash back a week, we talked about trading a first-round pick for Michael Furland. Yeah. And and how we, we aren't in that camp. And I think I specifically mentioned if they acquire players, I I want them to acquire acquire players with term. And they did that in both cases here. Um in Jared McCann, like you said, he's restricted. He's only twenty two and he's played for two clueless organizations. Yeah. Um which brings us to another point because the Penguins have two other moves they've one that they've made and one they're about to make that you could kind of view 
as uh, their own little bizarre versions of trade deadline acquisitions. The first one's Teddy Bluger. Now, for all the guff that the Penguins take for development and doing it right or wrong for certain players, they got it. They nailed it with this. It's timed perfectly. Teddy you think Bluger, this is? You think this is another instance like a Jake Ensign contract? Yeah, absolutely. Carry? Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that Teddy Bluger was expressing his frustration that he hadn't been called up yet. Call him up with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, you know, don't don't call him up because he was hot for fifteen games. Leave him down yeah. there. You know, the, and the only time that Teddy Bluger had ever been called up before this didn't even play. So this is really his first true <clears throat> run, um, and, and I think they nailed it in just the timing. They captured it perfectly, and then obviously the other addition which is going to be happening sooner rather than later, is that of one Justin Schultz. Yeah. Which is massive. Right. And we as fans, you know, we want the shiny new toy as soon as we can get our hands on it. And I think that's what we saw in the case of Teddy Bluger, where he was having a good, he was having good stretches in Wilkes-Barre. He's their leading scorer, so they all lasted quite a while but we were like oh he's doing so good you gotta call him up 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 and that's not how you develop a player like you said jesse the best way is to bring him up with a chip on his shoulder to basically say to sullivan rutherford and to an extent uh donatelli down in wilkes-bear fuck you i'm not coming back like this is I belong on the NHL roster and like you said there was the story about him a few weeks ago he's getting a little bit frustrated that he's not called up and to their credit that shows that they were waiting to see how he would react to not being called up and rather than go kind of the way of Daniel Sprong where he pouted complained you know, aired his grievances to the coaching staff and management. Bluger just said, all right, I'm going to keep playing and doing what I'm doing. And look where it's led him. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. And, and with Buke sad now, the Penguins get another. Wait, we have to talk about the uh, arrival. We didn't even get in it. We haven't gotten into this. Yet. Oh, God, yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. There was a moment there where, you know, the warm up comes and you've got two defensemen skating on your fourth line and that's it. There was like a tinge of panic, I think, for me there. Like, what are they going to do? But they actually arrived to the rink 10 minutes before the the game started. um, And they didn't meet their teammates um, until they were ready to go out for the warm-up. And they were coming in to get dressed. Yeah, and there was that there was that clip um, from the Penguins. Mike Sullivan says, "I'm glad you guys are here." I think. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's that's a little bit of an understatement, I think. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, yeah. The one thing that I didn't realize that they didn't uh, bring up until yesterday morning when they wrote the uh, when Sam Kassan and Crecciolo wrote the um, the story on it for the website, I did not realize they had a police escort from Pittsburgh International. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, think about it, because now and, and all you Jags listen to this that want to dilly dally around in the tunnels. Now, you know why you shouldn't do that anymore. You never know who could be behind you while you're doing 35 miles an hour. Yeah. Crossing over four lanes when as soon as you get out of the tunnel, not even looking where you're going. Yeah. How, and would, how would you handle one. a situation if you were in the tunnel and there was a police escort behind you? Speed the fuck up. <laughs> we well, get over. You got to move over. You're not allowed to change lanes in the tunnel. Well, you are if there's an emergency vehicle behind. Oh, what? Oh, what is the is the police car that's hidden on the ceiling of the tunnel going to pull you over for changing lanes in a tunnel? 
It's just a hypothetical. It's very dangerous to change lanes in the tunnel. I, I only say I only say that because that's one of my favorite lines. I was, I can't remember where me and a couple of my buddies were. I can't remember where we were going in college one time, but we were on a road trip and we go through the Fort Pitt tunnel out of town. My buddy changed lanes in the tunnel, and his girlfriend at the time was like, "Oh my god, you changed lanes! You can't do that!" And he just goes, "Where's the cop hiding?" Well, it's a good point, but you know, screw your friend for doing that. You know, <laughs> you I remain neutral. I remain neutral. I don't care either way. No, there was no harm, no foul. You shouldn't do it, but whatever. It's bad enough that it's that people just have to hit the brakes for no reason whatsoever. It's the worst. It's the worst. Um, let's do a little. Uh, let's do a little weekend review then. Uh, we won't cover the Devils game at all because it was trash, absolutely horrible. That Lightning win, pretty impressive. We called it a litmus stick, Mike. We did, <laughs> and, and, I believe, and I believe I believe they passed the test. They, they passed the uh, the litmus stick. Um, and then and then it was kind of refreshing because the very you know the, the two days later you come out um and they beat the senators and, and i know it got a little bit close at the end and it, because there was you know they were in control of that game for so long um you know it's it's one of those things that they they, they handled the game for a while the way you would expect them to you know there was none of there was no punching down like there was against new jersey um, yeah, it's one of those games where they kick the shit out of somebody they should kick the shit out of. Yeah, yeah, and then and then I think against Toronto they played thirty dominant minutes, but the thirty minutes that they didn't play was just worse. Uh, yeah, it was just way worse than the than the thirty minutes they did play. No, I mean, I mean the the Tampa game was fantastic just because, like we said, it was a litmus stick, which I love that new that new phrase. Yeah, me too. Um, and you know what it was is I believe it was Josh that wrote this in the Athletic about that game that if I'm Tampa, I don't want to see the Penguins in the playoffs because. They are just they they're mirror they're almost mirror images of one another, and the Penguins can play that game a lot better than Tampa can. And I, I know we've we've gone over it time and again the last few years about a Mike Sullivan Penguins team compared to a Dan Bylsma or Mike Johnson Penguins team. Tampa tried their hardest once they were down to get under the Penguins' skin. And sure, there were some scraps and scrums here and there, but the Penguins never lost their cool. They were like, okay, you guys want to parade to the penalty box. There it is. Go ahead. What what I saw in that game from this perspective are a bunch of piss babies who aren't used to losing this season. That's one take, yeah. They're, they're not used to being pushed around like the Penguins pushed them around being up 4 nothing. Sure. No, and Mike, I think you and I are on the same page with this that I do not trust Tampa as the odds-on favorite for the East. Paper Tigers. Yeah. A lot of people feel that way. My biggest concern with them is Cooper. I I do not trust him as a coach. Hmm. Interesting. Like, I I know Barry Trotz is a hell of a coach. Same thing for Mike Sullivan. But when his team has their, their back up against the wall... He does the same shit Dan Bilesma does. He just doubles and triples down on his system when it's not working. Yeah, I guess there's uh, evidence of that from the Eastern Conference Final against the Penguins. But um, 
That was kind of a situation where Mike Sullivan was playing 3D chess. No, 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 I agree. I agree that Trotz and Sullivan, you know, were just heads and shoulders above them. But I mean, I I don't know. Like, eventually, like, you have to look at what Cooper's done and wonder if it's him. Sure. Um, the Maple Leafs game, we like we mentioned, there just was a letdown being up 2-0. Um, really would have liked to have gotten that one and, and have gone three in a row considering that you've got – well, to Carolina, that I, I just feel good about the Penguins against Carolina for some reason. I don't know what it is. I feel like track record-wise the last few years, the Penguins – and this is also very Carolina. The Penguins get outshot – by Carolina fairly regularly, but also win fairly regularly. Yeah, they, they really eat them up off the counter a little bit, I think. Well, and that's the story of Carolina this year is they send a billion shots at the net every game, but very few of them are of any high quality. So it's, yeah, sure, you have 50 shots, but what, 15 of them were good chances, if that? Yeah, and Thursday, Derek Broussard and Riley Shane are both going to score goals. <laughs> I also yeah. think I also think with Carolina coming up on Tuesday, it's gonna it, it's gonna be a net positive for the Penguins because uh, the Toronto game it's the second of a back to back. Yeah, they they let down in the second period, but they were without Evgeny Malkin. They have two new two brand new players who haven't even practiced with the team yet. Uh, Teddy Bluger, on the other hand, had one practice with the team prior to that game, and then. You go into Carolina, or you, Carolina comes to town on Tuesday. You likely get Evgeny Malkin back. McCann and Bugstad are going to have a practice and a morning skate under their belt, plus two games. So, I think the table's set for them to have plus a, a lot huge of video game. Too, Pat. A lot of video too. Yeah, so you know Sullivan's going to put them through a ton of video sessions. So, right. and and given that they played as I don't want to say like effectively because you can't really judge a two-game sample, but. I think for what Bugstad and McCann did in two games, I think if you get them into the rhythm of being a part of the team, it's going to make them even better. Yeah, Jared, Jared McCann was very good in the faceoff circle too. Yeah, I just have a vision of Bugstad helping Evgeny Malkin elongate his time in the offensive zone. Yeah, I think that's going to be his biggest asset is the fact that he's a great forechecker and uh, puck uh, puck retrieval guy. So that's going to be huge on Evgeny Malkin's wing. Yeah. And I, I really like that said I really did like um what was it Kessel, Bugstad and Hornquist as a line? Kessel, Bugstad, Rust. That was it. Yeah. All American line. Yeah, yeah. It old is. NCAA line. Um, well I got an update for you guys. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sitting down? I am. The hockey men are mad. Oh. At what now? They don't like Doug Doug Goose. Oh my god! You know, for these guys being the old school competitive, win at all costs hockey men, they seem to have forgotten the uh, old phrase "to the victor go the spoils." If you don't want the Carolina Hurricanes to do the storm surge, don't let them beat you. Yeah. I mean, I don't care about it. It's just no big deal to me. I am I'm indifferent on it. Like, I, I love it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I it's fucking it. great. Yeah, I don't hate it. Uh, it because because here's the thing. We forget that sports 
are entertainment at the end of the day. They are an entertainment option for people of North America. And if you don't love the sport of hockey, right? Hey, Pat, they, they do play sports outside North America. I know, I know. But I'm talking NHL, NBA, all that. Because it's, it's going to come into the play that, like, NBA does a bunch of stuff that isn't directly tied to people who would know basketball inside and out. Same football. And... You know, if somebody in Raleigh says, hey, I want to go to Carolina Hur- uh, Carolina Hurricanes game, and they don't really know hockey, and it's just this boring vanilla, hey, they played a great game, and then they all skated to center ice and raised their sticks. Wow, that was so great. But, you know, a seven or eight-year-old kid goes there, and Justin Williams, you know, taps his stick three times on the ice, and the team sprints down to the one end and jumps into the glass, and a six- or seven-year-old kid's sitting right there, and, you know, Justin Williams jumps into the glass – that's sticking with them forever. That grows the game. That makes it more popular. That kid's going to remember that forever. It's not violent enough for, for guys like Brian Burke. I, I, I don't somebody's even want to get Somebody's got to get concussed. I don't even want to waste my time on him. Hockey men are mad. Are there 200 of them? Yes, and they're all trusted. Trusted hockey men. Do we want to kind of bring up uh, everybody's favorite person to hate on the defense? Uh, yeah, go for it. I mean, we're, I'm open to any, any well, conversation. I, well, because what I was basing it off, what I, what I was basing it off of was your tweet last night, Jesse, about the amount of scoring chances against that Jack Johnson was out for. Well, he just got slaughtered against the Maple Leafs. And, and I, what I said in the, in the recap for Penn's blog uh, this morning was you you know we hear time and again about these intangibles that Jack Johnson brings to the team right oh he's you know he's big in front and he's a penalty kill specialist and he blocks shots and throws hits we're not talking analytics here gang we're talking scoring chances the opponent had a chance to score a goal yeah i mean this isn't it's counting it's, it's no l- different yeah it's no different than hits or block shots it's just and, and, counting and, numbers and, and I should still have the stat here in front of me. Let me make sure I get it right. Last night against the Maple Leafs, he was on the ice for 17 scoring chances against compared to three scoring chances for at five on five. Ugly. We're not, not we're not talking Corsi or anything like that. We are talking plain and simple scoring chances. So when Jack Johnson is on the ice for the Penguins, the opposition has a chance to score more often than the Penguins do, and that is bad. To the tune of 70% more. That's problematic. Like, I, I don't know what reasonable person can look at that and be like, no, that's fine. <laughs> look at it. And here, let me tell you what my frustration – and first of all, a caveat. Yeah, very good on the penalty kill. Jack Johnson's very good on the penalty kill. Get it. Yes. Agree. He's very good on the penalty kill. The problem is, is that at even strength, where the majority of the game is played, the Penguins have gotten bigger returns out of Chad Ruedel. Yeah. Chad Ruedel has given the Penguins more than Jack Johnson has given them in the same role. And, and, and even more – on an even more abstract level, we are no longer in the era of guys – on an NHL roster being specialists. If you are only bringing one thing to the table, that's not good enough. The so fact- here's here's my question then. 
So Jim Rutherford is known for his propensity to fix mistakes he has made. They don't think it's a mistake. That's the problem. Yes. Yep. That's what I was going to say. I also want to, and then there's no way for us to to prove this one way or another. But how much of this contract was Sidney Crosby? Oh, I don't, I don't get it. I doubt it was any of it. I, I, I don't mean it. I don't mean it in a in a in a mean way or a facetious way. It's just a matter of he. I would say I would say zero percent. You think? Yeah, the relationship was with Jim Rutherford. Yes. I agree. Jim Rutherford is is that's fair. Really giving giving a guy he really likes a chance to finally play for him. Yeah, he drafted him, but didn't originally. he? But didn't he trade him because he hated his agent? They didn't have that agent anymore. Oh, he doesn't. No. Oh, okay. I, no, I yeah. Trust, he, I have not. Tra- yeah. Believe it or not, I everything. have not. I have not tracked Jack Johnson's career. No, no. I'm just saying, like you know, he there there was a lot of personal stuff going on there that he kind of had to rebuild. Okay. You know? Yeah. I, so I didn't know the I didn't know the agent was involved place. in that. I thought that was just the family. Oh, I think it was. Yeah, I mean, it was. Okay. Ran, ran pretty deep. Um, I stand. I stand corrected. And that's the thing is I don't talk about the defensive side of it a lot because I feel like it's just, you know, I, I, what else is there to say? I mean, I said all I'm going to say. It's evident. Right. right. You, know, and I, you know, you make your own determination on what's going on, but you know, I just um, wonder what's going to happen. What what point does it have to get to, you know? I think the point it has to get to is either they pray to God Seattle takes them and they can sweeten the pot somehow or they buy them out. Well, I'm talking about this year, like postseason. I, I'm, like, I, nothing's going to happen. It's not. I I, yeah. I I hate to say it just because I'm with you 100%. Something's got to happen. He's terrible, but – they don't like you said. They don't think it's a mistake, and the amount of money he's making, you can't bury that in the press box. You just can't. You know what else you can't bury in the press box? Uh, pretzel bites. Mike's correspondence has hit the music. Okay, first question. Is specifically for Jesse. Oh boy! From oh, I already Josh, know what this is. Oh from, no, no, it's not. Okay. No, no, you do not. This was this was sent to me privately. Oh boy! Uh, from Josh Downey asks if Newcastle United are as shitty as you say, how shitty does that make Man City after losing two one to Newcastle on Tuesday? Cheers from the Tune Army. Love the podcast. Helps me get through the workday. Keep up the great work. Away the lads, as they say. Um, I don't want to get into this because here's what will happen because Tottenham beat Newcastle immediately afterwards then we can do like the Kevin Bacon thing and say like well Tottenham is better than Man City and I don't want to live in that world I hate Tottenham so yeah um, I, I at least see it as enemy of my enemy is whatever I, I fucked it up I don't know you know, enemy of my enemy is my friend yeah so I was hoping we'd get through this whole show without mentioning that West Ham and Liverpool play tomorrow we'll talk about that next week uh, Tim Bowers asks, does Jesse dismiss me out of hand or is there some thought behind it? Now, I'm not allowed to answer this. It's a question for the panel. Okay. That's what he, that's what he told me. So uh, is this the panel? Yeah, I'm not, you, you I, two I, are the panel. I'm not getting the question. I, if there is. Can I share my, can I share my, okay, well, uh, my, 
my response would be if there is a dismissive manner involved here, it is news to me. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, it seems like every time Tim sends in a question, we read it. Oh, no, I see. I think this extends beyond the realm of the podcast. I think he's feeling like I don't answer him, like, out in the wild of Twitter. Oh. That's on you, then. Yeah. But the fact that you guys don't, the fact that you guys can't, can't, you know. Nothing comes to mind. Nothing comes to mind. Okay, so, all right. As far as I'm concerned, I was just proven innocent by a jury of appears, so. <laughs> uh, Morgan Morgan uh, says he would ask a question, but he already feels bad for Pat already. The first time ever for Morgan. Yep. <clears throat> uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Rixner asks specifically for Pat, how did you feel when your co-host, me, compared your performance in the hot dog contest <laughs> To one of the most visibly disastrous setbacks in mankind's glorious history. Uh, I did see this question, and uh, I thought about it for a while. So I landed on uh, I'm going to answer it like an NHL player. Um, you know, it's uh, it's an honor to be part of uh, something that. Uh, Got a lot of people on the internet excited and uh, people enjoyed to follow along and interact with. Uh, the fact that it was compared to a pretty well-known historical event to be mentioned in the same breath as that is an honor. And uh, I just, you know, I'm happy to be here. Uh, Daniel asks, worst rebuild, Edmonton Oilers or New York Knicks? I don't follow the NBA. I was going to say, I... I Loosely follow uh, the NBA, but I, I, I can I can provide some context here. Please. Uh, so they had a, I believe he was a lottery pick in 2015, rookie of the year or something like that. Great player was due for <coughs> contract extension, um, and they traded him to Dallas for basically nothing. Mm. For like, like one, they two first round picks, one of which isn't for five years. Oh my God. Well, I was going to say, I, I can I'm tell... Going, I'm still going with the Oilers. I was going to say, I can tell both franchises have a serious disdain for their fan base. Yeah, they're they're probably on equal playing fields all in all. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Chad Tully asks, which year is your favorite Penguins team? 93. I agree. 2009. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh. Correspondence cough is back. It is. I made it all the way through just about. Um, Ord asks, dirtiest penguin ever, not named Matt Cook. Oh, Alf Samuelson. What are you talking about? That hit on Cam Neely was clean. No, it was 100% clean. He was a dirty player outside of that hit. Yeah, he was. I don't know if you could categorize him as a dirty player as much as you could a psychopath, but they did employ Steve McIntyre for a while. Oh, uh, James Neal. Yeah, that's... I can't argue with that. Yeah, I can't remember who it was exactly. This was in the 70s. It might have been Spinner Spencer, who R.I.P. passed away. Uh, But somebody stole the team bus... What? Te- yeah, with the team on it. <laughs> that's oh my god! Look, I'm gonna look that up and we'll talk about it on the next show. That's that's tough to top. Yeah, put yeah. that in the rundown for next week because we gotta talk about that. Yeah, I gotta find it. I'll find it. 
Uh, Rachel asks, what is the best meal you've ever had? Oh, damn it. I saw this one, um, and I forgot to look it up. Shit. Uh, two, two summers ago, when I was in Las Vegas, I went to... Uh, I cannot remember the name of the restaurant, but it was the best steak I've had in my entire life. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Go ahead. Funny, funny enough, my best meal also came from Las Vegas. I was there, and we did a like a 10-course tasting menu at Joel Robichon, who also RIP passed away. Hmm. I think the first time I ever went to Big Shot Bob's. But, uh, <laughs> what flavor wings did you have for your first time? I don't know. I can't remember. I think Mr. C's, uh, the Taco Beaver Falls. I think I had a regular lemon pepper in there. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Something like that. So pretty easy to remember for me. I can't believe I forgot it. Capital Grill. Oh. Mm. Uh, David James asks, what's your pancake game? Blueberry, plain, buckwheat, or the unholy abomination that is chocolate chip? I'll tell you my pancake game, waffles. Pancakes are trash. Yeah, get out of here. Yeah, I'm definitely going waffles, but if I am if I have to have pancakes, I don't like that disrespect of chocolate chip. Yeah, chocolate chip's dope. I, I'm indifferent. How dare uh, you? <laughs> First of all, how dare you? Uh, Laura asks, if slash when the Penguins get a team puppy, what should they name it? Some ideas. Wolf Samuelson, Barka Rutu, Darius Kasparitis. <laughs> Wolf Samuelson is great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they could go with Sidney Posby. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I like Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Why not? And the last question is from me. Four words to describe Pat's performance on Wednesday. see here not good enough embarrassing unprecedented unprecedentedly bad <laughs> I'm also going to say dangerous because he really could have gotten hurt <laughs> as far as I'm concerned it's very easy to sum up with four words it's a pathetic performance that about sums it up men's against boys yeah, that was bad. Wow. Shout out shout out to Pete, by the way. It was a great gift that, uh, was it Steel City t-shirts posted? Pittsburgh Clothing Company. Pittsburgh Clothing Company. I was confused, too. Yeah, because we both got shirts from uh, Pittsburgh Clothing Co. for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was good. That gift was very good. All right, uh, anything we got to plug here? Not particularly, no. I got nothing. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do next week yet. We'll figure it out. Hey, we'll one, day, one, one day, one <laughs> we'll day, we'll do it live. Well, appreciate everybody joining us for episode 20. Uh, we'll be back uh, and uh, got more takes for you coming. I'll leave you with the vine of the week. I'm Jared. Could you read number 23 for the class? No, I cannot. What up? I'm Jared. I'm 19 and I never fucking learned how to read.